So there, this guy, this husband, and he forgot his wife's birthday. That's not the worst of it. That came just one week after he had forgotten their wedding anniversary. Bad, real bad. And then, shortly thereafter that, he didn't go to her family's reunion. Instead, he went fishing with his friends. This guy is in major trouble. There's ten chores on the list that need to be done around the house, you know, fix-ups, different things that need to be repaired around the house. His wife has been telling him to do those things, and all ten of them are still left undone. The guy realizes that he is in major trouble with his wife. And so what he does is, on his way home one evening, he stops at the dollar store and buys her a piece of cheap costume jewelry and a $1 greeting card from the dollar store, and he brings that to her to make up for his failures. I'm going to tell you, that's not going to work. It takes more than that, doesn't it? It takes way more than that. You're not going to make up for all of that mess with a cheap piece of jewelry and a dollar, dollar store card. It takes more than that. Okay, I want to take that expression. You know that expression. You understand that very well. I want to take that expression and make it the basis of our lesson this morning. But we're going to talk about something that's really ultimately important. We want to talk about God. We want to talk about our relationship with God. And there are way too many people in the world who think they can get by with less than is required in regards to living for God and doing His will. And we just simply want to say it takes more than that. And we'll, we'll investigate that uh, in our lesson here this morning. Thanks for being here. We're grateful to everyone for your presence. We're, we're glad to have the opportunity to be here, uh, to join together in the worship of God. And we're encouraged by your interest and participation in that as well. Thanks to our visitors who've come today. We hope you come back every time you have a chance to be here. What about this? It takes more than that. I want to suggest to you, first of all, it takes more than, and I see that I'm not showing up too good on the... I always have a problem. I don't know if you ever understood that the colors on the screen here are not always the colors up there. I see that. It's going to be a little hard to read. Apologies for that. I hope you'll be able to make it out. It takes more than good intentions. You know, we understand that there are some people in this world who are just evil. They're just mean and evil and wicked. And they never intend to do good. They never intend to obey God. They're just bad people. Uh, we're not talking about those kind of people. We're talking about people who are, are, have good intentions. They, they really intend to do what's right, uh, they, but they just don't get around to doing it. They have good intentions. But we want to say good intentions by themselves are not enough. And we even have an expression, don't we, that we use. That the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions won't get us to heaven. In Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1, it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I've got good intentions and I really think that maybe tomorrow, but certainly not too far off in the future, I'll get around to doing what I know I ought to be doing anyway. No, I don't have guarantee of tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow may bring. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And then, of course, that text that Joel read for us from Acts chapter 24, describing Felix. Felix heard Paul concerning the faith in Christ, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. Felix said, I'll do it when it gets convenient to do it. And as has been pointed out for centuries, apparently Felix never found the convenient season. It never was a time when it was easier to be a Christian than to not be one. He didn't find the convenient season, and we won't either. And so we just want to make the point, it's going to take more than just having good intentions if we're going to be right with God. Sort of expanding on that notion, I think the Bible plainly points out that just being good is not enough. It takes more than that. Good intentions won't work. I mean, you can tell your boss you have good intentions. You can tell your teacher at school you have good intentions, but you've got to actually do something. And the same is true with this point, that just being good is not going to be enough. I read a survey a while back asking people if they thought that they could do enough good to earn their way into heaven. Now think about that for a minute. Do you think that you could, just being good, just doing, doing, you know, living a decent life, being a good person, could you do enough good to earn your way into heaven? Surprisingly, 33% of people surveyed thought they could. Isn't that something? 33% thought they could earn their way in heaven. And I'm going to tell you, the scriptures plainly tell us that although being good is really important, you've got to be good. Just being good is not enough. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, We are all as an unclean thing, and our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now this is talking about, notice, it's our righteousnesses. In other words, the good things that we can do. How, do how, how are they in comparison to God, in comparison to doing God's will? He said, they're just like filthy rags. You know, a filthy rag, you just throw that away. That's not worth anything. You throw a filthy rag away. I actually think that the original language here suggests something very horrid when it talks about fifth, filthy rags. We, we can't do it on our own righteousnesses. Our own good deeds just simply don't get the job done. You're not going to earn heaven. In Acts chapter 10... We recently studied about the case of Cornelius. Uh, We remember, of course, he was the first Gentile convert to Christ. But he was really a good man. It says in Acts 10, beginning verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And we made the point when we were studying this a, a few weeks ago, if you wanted just a description of a good man, Cornelius is as good a description as you're going to find anywhere in the Bible. This was a good man. And if being good is enough, then the story would stop right there, right? But the whole rest of that chapter in the first half of the next one talks about how he had to hear the preacher. He had to learn, believe, and obey the gospel. Just being good didn't get the job done, and it won't for us either. So we would make the point then. It takes more than just being good if you're going to be right with God. 
I want to suggest to you that having faith or basic belief in God is not enough either. Now certainly it's important to believe in God and believe that Jesus Christ is His only begotten Son. In fact, Jesus said in John 8 verse 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. So let's make this clear. We, it is absolutely essential and necessary to believe in Jesus and believe that He is the Son of God. But we understand that saving faith, now that's, that's a distinction that we try to make, and I think it's a really important distinction to make. Saving faith, the kind of faith that will save, is not the faith that just says, I believe, but it's the kind of faith that says, I believe and therefore I will act upon that. Uh, notice in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarded them that diligently seek him. So notice, you must believe that He is. So you're going to come to God. You're going to come to God. You've got to believe that there is a God, that you believe in Him. So you must believe that He is, but notice, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So faith must be coupled with obedience. That's the kind of faith that saves, the kind of faith that motivates us to action. In James chapter 2, the plainest statement in all the Bible about this, in James chapter 2, verse 19, beginning... Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Do you see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That is a really plain expression of what we're trying to say here, that it takes more than just faith or belief, just it takes more than just acknowledging God or acknowledging Jesus if you want to be saved in heaven. It takes more than that. I would suggest to you that it takes more than being religious. How would, how would you define the word religious? If, if you were asked to give a meaning of the word religious, I, don't, I, I think we all have a, we have a picture in our mind of what that involves, but if you actually looked at a dictionary, it would define it as being devout or pious, having reverence toward God. Uh, okay, uh, we understand that. That, that uh, is important, obviously. So you, but you've got to do more than that. You've got to just be more than reverent toward God. Uh, notice the people that Jesus described in Matthew 15. This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So notice these people. I would argue that Jesus here is describing some religious people, wouldn't you? These people were religious. They draw nigh to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. Well, they were engaged in religious activity. Weren't they? they were doing religious things. Their heart, he says, is far from me. And he says their worship is in vain because they teach the doctrines and commandments of men. They are not trying to do what God said to do. They're religious. And so if you just want to define religious as showing piety toward God or being reverent toward God, then these people were, but they weren't saved, obviously. And for us, then we'd have to say it takes more than just being religious. Right here in our community this morning, there are lots of people engaged in religious activity. And, and that's a good thing in that sense. But it's not getting them where they want to be. 
because it's not following the plan of God. So being religious while necessary is not enough. That's our point. It takes more than that. Let me suggest it takes more than calling Jesus Lord. Again, we would stress that this is absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary to identify Jesus as our Lord. But do you understand what the the term Lord means? Uh, The term Lord suggests one who has all authority, the one who is in control, the one who who commands or instructs and we obey. Lord is more than just an an acknowledgement, but it's actually talking about a relationship. He is our Lord. We are His servants. It takes more than just calling Him Lord. You have to actually submit to His authority in your life. In Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth will my Father which is in heaven. Again, these are some people described in this context with that to our previous point, were religious, and they identified Jesus as their Lord, he says it's not enough. It's going to take more than that. He that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. That's what is necessary. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus asked, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? There are a lot of people in the world who would fit this description. They call Jesus Lord. But they don't do what he says. I think if we went out on the streets of Columbia, Tennessee today and took a survey, I'm sure we would find some people who don't believe in God or Jesus Christ at all. Uh, all indications are that atheism is growing pretty rapidly in our, in our country. But I want to say right here in the, in the middle of the Bible belt, we're going to find a vast majority of people who, if you ask them, Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? They would say yes. But they're not doing the things that he says. And so, again, our point is it takes more than that. It takes more than just calling Jesus Lord. I would also argue that it takes more than just joining some church. A lot of people put a lot of confidence in the fact that they are a member of some religious organization. And we want to say it takes more than joining just some church. There's two things that we want to emphasize here at this point. The first is the idea that it really doesn't matter. that you there's a, there's a wide array of choices out there. You have lots of religious options... And you can, as long as you're a member of some church, that's good enough. And we want to point out that that's a wrong way of thinking. We try to stress this pretty often. But the fact of the matter is the choice is not ours. It's not up to us to decide which church we like. Join the church of your choice, as the old ad slogan used to be uh, repeated over and over again. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. You know, that I, I, I know that you know this argument, but I want to repeat it because we need to keep it really fresh in our minds. In Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there is one body and one spirit, even as you called and one hope you're calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay, so our emphasis, every part of that expression can, can be a lesson in itself, but we want to stress here the one body. 
And then we link it in the same epistle. So in Ephesians 4, he says this earlier in the same letter, Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, God had put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So notice, there's just one, and it is the body is the church. There's just one body, and the body is the church. And so our, our point is, there's only one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's not a wide array of options out there. You're not free to choose as you will. You can't take satisfaction in just being a member of some church. It's going to take more than that, right? In fact, it's going to require us finding the one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, the way we do that, we talk about that a lot, is we see it described in the pages of the New Testament, and then we search out for, for people who are doing just that. That's how we identify that one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So it's not enough to just be a member of some church somewhere. It's got to be the one true church of our Lord. And we understand that being a part of that church is the result of obeying God's plan for your salvation. In Acts 2 verse 47 says, The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So the way that we become a part of the one true church is when we do what the scriptures tell us we must do in order to be saved. When we do what we must do to be saved, then we're added to the one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, again, you can't just take satisfaction and say, well, I'm a member of this church or that church or some other church. We're not free to make those optional choices. We've got to find the one true church and we become a part of that through obedience to God's plan. Finally, let me suggest to you that it's not enough to be almost persuaded. Through the years, I've had occasion to interact with a number of people who were almost there, who were almost determined to become a Christian, who were just at that point. They were just, I mean, just within a hair's breadth of going on and obeying the gospel and becoming a Christian and doing the right thing. They were almost persuaded. And of course, that expression immediately reminds us of King Agrippa. When the Apostle Paul was before King Agrippa in Acts 26, beginning verse 26, he says, for the, Paul is speaking, he says, For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. Now, that, all of that was what Paul was saying. Paul was preaching to him, and he was convinced that King Agrippa knew the details of the information that he was supplying to him. He said, I know you believe. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost is not enough. It's going to take more than that. To just be almost persuaded is not going to get the job done. All right. So, again, I don't think the, the concept of our lesson this morning is too difficult to comprehend. Uh, I would refer you back to the guy who was in trouble with his wife. He's going to have to get busy and do a number of things to get, get that straightened out. And I want to suggest to you it takes more than just 
these things that we've described this morning if we want to be right with God. The most important thing in life is to be right with God. Good intentions are just a good life, not enough. Basic faith or acknowledgement of Jesus, not enough. To be religious, to call Jesus Lord, to join this church or another is not enough. To be almost persuaded won't get the job done. It takes more than that. What's your situation this morning? Are, are you in a right relationship with God? To be a saved person, to be a Christian, the plan of God is really simple. It's not hard to understand. Upon hearing the truth, you believe it. You must then repent of your sins and confess your faith in Jesus and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. If you need help or study, if you need questions answered, whatever it might be, just say a word. We'd be glad to study with you about this. This is the most important decision in life. If you're a Christian already, but you realize you haven't been faithful to him. We could have added that to another point. You know, To just start down the road toward heaven is not enough either. You've got to be faithful unto death, Revelation 2, verse 10. And if you're a Christian and you started on the path, but you haven't stayed faithful to the Lord, we urge you to come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.